this is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. All I'm offering is the truth. Nothing else. Welcome to the second episode of Fundamentally Mysterious. As you probably noticed, we now have our own intro music. Well, we didn't actually create the song. Uh, it's called Inspector Norse by Todd Terrier. Anyway, hopefully we're safe remixing it slash editing it under fair use laws. Uh, if this podcast ever becomes popular enough for us to find ourselves facing legal issues over our intro music, I think that'd be a good problem to have. And as a quick note on the audio we sampled from The Matrix in that intro, um, I shared this clip with a few people to get their feedback, and my friend Matt pointed out that the term red pill has been appropriated by the men's right movement, which I wasn't aware of. So I just wanted to offer assurance that we're only alluding to the red pill in its original context uh, as a symbol of truth of reality. Just chalk that up to an unfortunate coincidence. So in this episode, hopefully you'll notice fewer of the ums, the ahs, the you knows, and the pregnant pauses that were kind of pervasive in the first episode. We're still refining our process around preparing for these discussions, and more generally just getting acclimated to the presence of microphones while we're trying to have an organic conversation. Lastly, I just wanted to make a small correction. I provide a quote that I thought was from Derek Parfit himself, but it's actually a quote from someone else quoting Derek Parfit. Just thought I'd make a note of that. So in this episode, Ashish and I talk about a thought experiment called The Ship of Theseus. Hope you guys enjoy it. I think I'll just lay out a bunch of information and share some thoughts and key takeaways at the end. And Ashish, feel free to jump in whenever. So to explain this thought experiment, it goes something like this. Theseus, who is this character from Greek legend, uh, don't know much about him, uh, something with Crete and a boat involved, uh, is sailing and... Uh, effectively what happens is they're sailing this boat over a long period of time uh, they need to replace a piece of wood on the boat because it rots and they replace this one piece of wood and then another piece of wood rots and they replace that and this process continues and eventually they've replaced every piece of wood on the boat and this poses the question is this the same boat that they had when they departed most people's intuitions are challenged here where we can recognize that materially the boat is made up of entirely different parts and yet conceptually people have been riding on it the whole the whole time they never had to step off um, it looks like the same ship um, and yet uh, we know that every uh, component of that ship has now been replaced so i think it's a pretty understandable thought experiment and uh, it has some implications uh, in a lot of other contexts that are uh, pretty cool to explore. So there's dozens of variations of this thought experiment throughout history and across different cultures, uh, which really just seems like a testament to just how strongly it's been challenging people's intuitions for you know the ages. And actually, one variation I encountered a few years back before we kind of dive into some of the deeper stuff here uh, was from this um, documentary about Noam Chomsky. You know who he is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was called, Is the Man Who Is Tall Happy? It was this like animated documentary that was done by Michel Gondry, who's like the director who did Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So 
Um, it kind of had this fun, like abstract vibe to it. Is these very kind of a, a strange animations, but basically at one point, um, Noam Chomsky's talking about uh, this thing that he calls like fixed cognitive endowment, which just means like the fixed capacities or limitations of our minds. And um, as one example of these cognitive limitations, he mentions how we're susceptible to things like optical illusions, like the moon looking larger on the horizon than it does when it's up in the night sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to go further, he talks about another example, uh, which is kind of in the spirit of this thought experiment, uh, the ship of Theseus thought experiment, uh, a little different though, um, where he talks about cutting a branch from a tree like a willow tree and then planting that branch and a new tree grows and we question you know is this the same tree and uh, i think i'll actually probably throw the audio clip in from the documentary since listening to him talk is pretty captivating this is a tree here's another question where it's good to be puzzled how do we identify something as a tree it's not so simple so for example uh, you plant a tree say a willow tree which is a good example it grows at some point you cut a branch off it and you put that branch in the ground suppose it grows and it becomes exactly identical to the original tree i suppose the original tree is uh, cut down is that new one the same willow tree why not it's genetically identical it has all the same properties but we know it's not the same tree why not and, and I think it'll be useful here to mention even a simpler version of this thought experiment. Um, I'm just going to give a few examples here before we move forward, just Absolutely. so I think people, the idea really sinks in. Um, if we keep removing components from something, so say it's a car, at what point is it no longer a car? Um, so you could take off the wheels and we can remove the fender and the bumper and, you know, uh, the windows and then the doors and at a certain point we'll be left with maybe the chassis of the car but then people might just say well that's the chassis of a car and not a car I, again i think that these examples just kind of elicit the same kind of uh dumbfounding mm-hmm. um as the original thought experiment where it's like you know how do i really uh understand uh what an object is um or, or if it's the same object as another one um, anyway, hopefully at this point, I've done a decent job explaining the crux of this thought experiment. Do you have any... Yeah, I don't know. It just strikes me as some sort of like a discrete versus continuous kind of problem, right? Like if you view it at any like point in time, it's very hard to say that for me to remove like the left, uh, I don't know, mirror of the car is... Not, now I'm going to not make it a car anymore. But like if you look at it through from two very, very like distant in time uh, points... I yeah, guess that, that makes sense. Um, then it's very obvious that at some point along that continuum, there was actually a point where most people would consider it to stop being a car. But it's very hard to pinpoint the yeah. location where that happens. Sure. Yeah, and um, that makes sense. And and these thought experiments kind of go on ad nauseum. I mean, you can look at uh, people have lesions removed from their brain, and you know, at at what point are they no longer? you know, them as they, as you continue to remove these components, I mean, eventually you're not left with, you know, any remnant of that individual, but at what point does that threshold get crossed? And, and, um, uh, yeah, it's definitely thought provoking. So, um, and, and as I just kind of alluded to with that example of a brain, uh, where this really gets interesting is when we recognize that this concept of replacing components can apply to ourselves mm-hmm. and, and it does in a very real way. 
Um, so we as individuals have a very compelling sense of continuity despite lacking physical or material continuity. So we've all heard things like our skin regenerates every X weeks or our bones take a lot longer to regenerate than other parts of the body, etc. Um, but I don't think we fully appreciate the implication of these kind of pedestrian sounding fun facts. Um, and maybe going down to a lower level, the atomic level can make things a bit more sobering. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came across this quote uh, that said, um, studies at the Oak Ridge Atomic Research Center have revealed that about 98% of all the atoms in a, bo- a human body are replaced every year. Um, now, I dug a little deeper into the statistics, since I want to avoid perpetuating misinformation on this podcast. I'm being very careful about these numbers that we throw out there. And um, there actually is a fair amount of controversy over this 98% figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the research is from 1954, so I think that probably fuels some of the skepticism. Um, and while there seems to be no debate that a large percentage of atoms in our body are replaced, people dispute the exact number. But anyway, exact numbers aside, uh, it seems uncontroversial that our experience of continuity is misaligned with reality. Uh, the reality that the building blocks of our bodies are constantly being swapped in and out. I mean, we eat food, we drink water, most of our bodies are made up of water. It's being recycled very quickly. Um, and uh, conveniently, I, I think there's another thought experiment, we'll just bring another one in here, um, that cuts out some of the ambiguity around the exact percentage of atoms that are being replaced through organic processes, right? Like what I was just describing before. Um, so I want to mention that since I think it'll help crystallize this concept. And uh, it's referred to as the uh, teletransportation paradox, and this might start sounding familiar to you. And I'll quickly preface by saying that from what I read, it uh, looks like the philosopher Derek Parfit is credited with like formalizing this paradox around 1984, but I always thought it came from Star Trek, mm. uh, you know, the whole teleportation thing in Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and I think Star Trek predates when he wrote this. But anyway, maybe he just credited because he kind of, I don't know, formalized it first. But here's how it goes. Um, and this actually comes from uh, Derek Parfit's, um, it's an essay of his called Divided Minds and the Nature of Persons. So I'm just going to read this quote. Um, Imagine entering a teletransporter, a machine that puts you to sleep, then destroys you, uh, breaking breaking you down into atoms, copying the information and relaying it to Mars at the speed of light. Uh, on Mars, another machine recreates you from local stores of carbon, hydrogen, and so on. Uh, each atom in exactly the same relative position. Uh, Parfit poses the question of whether or not the teletransporter uh, is a method of travel. Is the person on Mars the same person as the person who entered the teletransporter on Earth? Certainly when waking up on Mars, you would feel like being you, you would remember entering the teletransporter in order to travel to Mars. You would even feel a cut on your upper lip from shaving this morning. So <coughs> what I like about that uh, is I, I think it's just a more concrete example of if we can just reconstruct someone atom for atom, are they mm-hmm. the same person? Will they experience, they have an experience of continuity even though materially there is nothing con- continuous about it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know, I just, I, I really, like that, and and even though teleportation is a thing of science fiction, I think the philosophical implications are entirely relevant and uh, worth considering. So, you know, back to the Star Trek example, just as we question, you know, which Spock is the real one, the one who arrived at the destination, or the one who was effectively disintegrated after entering the machine, uh, we should find ourselves asking questions like, "Am I the same me 
as the me from 10 years ago, um, considering almost all the materials in your body have been replaced. And yeah, I think it just really challenges our intuitions around our sense of self. Um, you want to jump in with yeah, something? Yeah, I mean, I think a really interesting thing about what you just mentioned is that it's actually sort of different from the ship of Theseus itself in the context that there is really some moment where you don't exist, right? Like you literally are destroyed at some moment. So there actually is a break in continuity. Yeah. Whereas technically, like in the ship of Theseus, there's never, there's always just a piecemeal replacement. This is like an actual All destruction and a complete replacement. Sure. Uh, I don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds like a very very interesting yeah i mean something kind of aligned with what you're saying is think about uh what is it cryogenesis or i don't know what the right term is that cryo something when people freeze themselves and they die right yep and imagine they were able to be restored i mean they're i guess in a way there's a continuity because their body's still there but you know for all intents and purposes they're not experiencing they're not having a conscious experience and then they're suddenly existing again just by virtue of all their atoms being in just the right place Mm -hmm. such that they continue existing um but i think that this really gets to the heart of the fact that our sense of continuity and our sense of self is illusory um and and i'm going to go a little bit more into that but uh just a quick aside i remember having a conversation about this whole teleportation thought experiment during a long car ride with some friends uh it's actually a duijin (laughs) and he said this and and after going back and forth on this uh he concluded that we're always teleporting just to the same place which i kind of liked right so think about with these materials being replaced in and out and um yeah i just thought that was amusing i guess at this point i'll just go into some of my like thoughts personal thoughts and takeaways from this um, I think one of the things that makes this thought experiment or, or paradox really fascinating, and maybe it's what makes most paradoxes fascinating, is that its confounding nature is purely a feature of our minds. And what I mean by that is from a materialist pers- perspective, there's no question as to what's happening in all the variations of this thought experiment that we covered, from replacing pieces of wood on a boat uh, to atoms in our body being replaced to stripping away components of a car until we're not sure if it's a car or not, um, we just know that atoms are being rearranged. Right? If we look at it at the lowest level, it's pretty clear what's happening. Uh, it's our interpretation, which is to say how we make sense of the world, that kind of um, results in this sort of dumbfounding. And uh, this makes me think of a more general theme of how we use heuristics to make sense of the world. Um, so, you know, by heuristics, I think I really mean our intuitions and because uh, using these heuristics is efficient um, but the trade-off for efficiency is imperfect accuracy right so we have these kind of shortcuts to navigate a very complex world um, where our minds are just being buffeted by tons of sensory information all the time and we kind of need these shortcuts but occasionally there are kind of blind spots in these heuristics and um, and, and that can result in you know weird paradoxes like this one where we can't quite wrap our head around what's true and are these things the same or are they not so a few more things to say here now when it comes to applying this concept to ourselves to human beings it feels even more confounding than the example of the boat since we have an experience of continuity right i mean the boat we're observing from afar uh it's an object but now we're talking about ourselves and our own experience 
and we definitely have an experience of I remember what happened yesterday I remember being a kid and experience of continuity is really to say that we have memories but I think that these memories kind of create this illusory sense of self as I've kind of said before and these memories that we have are encoded in neural pathways something that's well understood it's the pathways that really store these these memories and think about the atoms in our body being replaced um, there is some controversy around you know the atoms that comprise the neurons in our brain are those really being recycled in and out I mean we know that you know neurons have uh, you know various proteins that they're made up of and they need new resources they need a lot of oxygen uh, to you know uh, for, for energy since they're firing these electrical signals and so there are materials being recycled in and out uh, and it's just unclear exactly what percentage of them is really being swapped out but you can imagine them being modular in the sense that all the pathways are preserved Right? So the memories are still there, but the actual building blocks that are you know, creating the structure where the memories are kind of harbored um, is, is being modified and maybe over time has been completely replaced. Or you know, we can even go back to the uh, Star Trek experiment where the person who comes out on the other side of the teleportation has the same sense of they remember everything from before, whatever, and yet they were effectively just born. Right. Um, I think that's what makes this even more kind of vexing when we think about it in terms of ourselves and not just the boat or the car, whatever. And just another note on memory and identity, um, Ashish, I think like we're both familiar with some Oliver Sacks stuff. Uh, he kind of details working with patients with all different types of disorders, uh, you know, such as like severe memory impairments, um, either in forming new memories, recalling past experiences or both uh, and these impairments are so bad that in some cases these people don't even really know who they are um, so I think that just this relationship between memory and having a sense of self is an important one I think it's the fact that we have these memories that even though we know intellectually and factually that the materials of our body are being replaced constantly uh, because we have these memories we really feel like a self right yeah, I think you're talking about uh, one of the stories was about like anterior grade amnesia or something, right? Anterograde. Anterograde amnesia. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Um, and essentially like the, the point being that like this person, yeah, I think that's really interesting to think about in context of Theseus' ship, right? Like he essentially didn't have any parts of him replaced uh, except his entire memory from the past is like taken away. So essentially like his body... Is the same, the same as any other normal person's body, yep. but it's really the memory itself that constantly like goes away, and what that says about a person. Right? Yeah, and I think our sense of self is very much coupled to memory. It yeah. seems like uh, right. So, interrograde is not being able to form new memories. I think I really hope I don't get this wrong. Yeah. And retrograde is kind of the uh, removal or uh, d like destruction of past memories. Right. Um, and there are even patients, like this famous patient HM, uh, who had both, I think he had uh, brain surgery for epilepsy maybe, they removed part of his like medial temporal lobe, and that resulted in, I could be getting the details wrong here, but that resulted in this very rare case of having both the inability to form new memories and couldn't remember anything from the past, and so this guy was effectively constantly living in the present. Um, and... Right. Uh, yeah 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 if you look at the ship as like just a point in time obviously like it exists and it is a ship but like it only matters when you're viewing it over a long period of time in the same way like 
a person if you're viewing them at that moment if you're talking to a person with anterograde amnesia at, the, at that time very clearly that's a whole person or whatever that you're talking to but then in reality you talk to them the next time and they've completely forgotten every part of your conversation and therefore it probably it, right. it, it's very different from the kind of communication you can have with another person exactly and and it makes you question when you're interacting with that person it might not even feel experientially like you're interacting with the same person and the reason why you and i talked a week ago or you have friends that you talked to 10 years ago and you know you're talking to the same person is everything to do with the memories that they have yeah and yeah um yeah, so uh, there's a lot of different directions this conversation can go in. Um, I just one other thing I, I thought we should cover um, were just like some of the moral implications of this. I mean, clearly, you know, I, there are a lot of uh, philosophical offshoots of this, um, but specifically in terms of morality, there's a few things worth saying. Um, Derek Parfit, the guy I mentioned earlier who kind of formalized this uh, teleportation, he calls it the teletransportation paradox. Uh, talked a lot about the utility of internalizing this illusion of self, like really understanding that that's what's happening. Mm. Um, and I, just to summarize, because his language is uh, uh, a little overwhelming, and um, I'll just, I, I think it can lead us to questions like, why value my own well-being over the well-being of any other person? Mm. And um, that seems to be... Um, I can see how that takeaway would come from kind of internalizing this view that, you know, our sense of self is kind of an illusion. Um, and, and it seems like this connection between relinquishing ego and general quality of life improvements and finding some kind of moral truth uh, is kind of a recurring theme in moral philosophy and in other, you know, uh, ancient philosophies and Buddhism and stuff like that and in mindfulness practices. Um, I also wanted to throw in here that uh, Sam Harris, who sure people know I'm a big fan of uh, in his book Waking Up and a few other places he cites his uh, experience with MDMA when he was in his teens I think uh, these experiences were kind of accompanied by a sense of ego loss and this feeling of boundless love and had a strong influence on some of his positions on moral truth uh, so I just thought that was kind of amusing but yeah I, I mean I see this cropping up everywhere this kind of relationship between uh, recognizing that the feeling we have of being a self is not aligned with reality and that having some profound moral implications and I'm not going to pretend to have a rigorous understanding of all these positions but definitely worth uh, exploring if people are curious anyway to wrap this up on a lighter note um, clearly this like thought experiment raises some really cool questions which I touched on a bit but I kind of thought it was funny uh, when I found that there's a relatively recent controversy on this topic that's act that's about an actual boat <laughs> which was funny just because it's like the original ship of Theseus paradox uh, that was from like 2,000 years ago um, so here's a quote about this it says the question of identity posed by the ship of Theseus remains problematic even in the 21st century foremost with wooden boats and tall ships but also with structures an attention-getting example is the provenance of the USS Constellation, the identity controversy over which long vexed even respected naval historians and uh, publications of record. So, yeah, I poked around this a bit and just found it amusing that the whole controversy started around, like, World War II, 
uh, and the FBI was involved in the investigation at some point, and the correct identity of this boat has been revised as recently as like 2004. So, so that was kind of funny that there's mm-hmm. like real like controversies about this topic specifically yeah. with regard to boats. So yeah, I mean, I, I, you have any questions you want to bring my way on this, or um, I know I kind of covered a lot of ground really quickly, but. Um. I don't know. I, I guess the most recent context in which I remember hearing about the ship of Theseus was actually in a Malcolm Gladwell podcast, um, where he was actually talking about this. In addition, in in applying this to sort of like legal entities. So in California, apparently, uh, there's this law that says that if you have owned property, or if one legal entity has owned property since like 1970 or something, they essentially have to pay 1970 property tax on it in perpetuity. Um, and applying this to essentially country clubs in California. So country, like what is a country club, right? So a country club uh, is essentially a group of individuals that have owned this property. But what happens when every single person in that country club has, you know, left the club or is no longer a part of that club? Does that entity persist even when all of its component parts have been replaced? And I think that this is like very similar to like a lot of other sort of just like, I mean, obviously it makes sense that this happens so often in these kinds of like, human structural type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, we, yeah. I mean, I think this is, you know, this is reminding me of some stuff. I don't know if you've read Sapiens. Uh, I'm just reading it, actually, yeah. Yeah, and so Yuval Harari really likes to uh, ride this hobby horse of, like, the 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 reason that humans have progressed so much uh, and advanced is this ability to kind of hold these shared fictions. Yeah. And um, this feels kind of spiritually aligned with what you're talking about, where, you know, this concept of a, a organization, a company, or in this case, a country club, um, yeah, we know that it's just made up of people, and we've replaced all the people, so does it still exist? And the fact that everyone agrees that it exists is all that matters. And that's kind of how we've managed to build a very large kind of global enterprise you know, of human civilization is just having those shared beliefs that aren't based on anything physical, but these very high-level abstractions. Yeah, yeah. There's actually apparently a legal case in California that's literally talking about like the phys- philosophical issues of the ship of Theseus, like saying is like sixty percent of the people being replaced enough to say that this is actually like not the same entity. Right. So they're gonna actually... they're gonna quantify or, or put a threshold on yeah. where the continuity <laughs> yeah exists. So yeah. yeah. All right. That was cool. I'm glad we could cover that. Yeah.